Well, this is totally not Danzig, and you're listening to the Shred Shack. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. Hey, this is Chris Mack. Welcoming you to episode 152 of the Shred Shack podcast, your premier source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. Airing bi-weekly on iTunes, Mixcloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Spotify. Let's get started, as usual, with some old business. Business, all right. So, Journey's Neil Shorn and Jonathan Kane have resolved their legal dispute with the band's former members, drummer Steve Smith and bassist Ross Valerie. On March 3rd, 2020, the two gentlemen filed a lawsuit against Valerie Smith, who had been members of Journey on and off since the band formed in 1973, claiming the two attempted a coup in order to gain control of the Journey's trademark. The suit, which was sought more than $10 million in damage, accused Smith and Valerie of holding an improper shareholder and board of directors meeting in February, during uh, which they ousted Kane and Sean, 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 Sean. Um, Sean. Uh, from leadership posts at Nightmare Productions under the incorrect assumption that the company held that the company held the rights to the Journey name, an answer filed by counsel defending Valerie against the comp- uh, complaints allegations and the cross complaint attempted to dispute the refute blah 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 blah. So, Journey's management Q Prime released the following statement: The members of the band Journey, who were parties to a recent lawsuit are pleased to announce that they have resolved their differences and reached an amicable settlement agreement. Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane acknowledge the, the valuable contributions of both Ross Valerie, Valerie, yeah, Valerie and Steve Smith have made to the music and the legacy of Journey. Ross Valerie and Steve Smith wish their former bandmates well and much success in the future. Journey looks forward to continuing to tour and make new music for their dedicated fans around the world. There's been no details as to what the settlement entails, but I'm sure money, money, money. <laughs> money says, money says that Steve Perry is sitting there saying, I should have been gone. Oh, wait, I am. <laughs> Long ago. <laughs> you said no Steve Perry psychouts. <laughs> God, I love that movie. Oh, uh, Steve Perry. Steve Perry. But yeah, so maybe we won't hear about that for a while now. Here's open. We'll move. We'll move on to the Soundgarden one next. God anyway, damn. a hearing on a motion to review a pretrial detention order of Ice Earth guitarist John Schaefer in connection with the siege at the U.S. Capitol will be held on Tuesday, April sixth at twelve thirty p.m. via video conference before Judge uh, Chief Judge Beryl A. Howell. So this coming Tuesday, because we're recording this Sunday night. This coming Tuesday, Josh Shaver is going to go before a judge. I think the the they're reviewing his pre-trial detention order, which means, as of right now, he is not he's still in jail. They're not letting him out before his trial. They're trying to get him out of jail before his trial, so that way he can, I guess, go home and await trial or whatever. So, so I think we're at numbers of podcasts he's in jail for four. <laughs> I'm just imagining him sitting there in jail, doing the triplets on a harmonica. <laughs> oh yeah oh for sure <laughs> that'd be fucking hilarious yep alright but that is it for old business because of course you know we always end on Mr. Schaefer for our old business the last three months 
Yeah, well, we have that, we have that, uh, we have the count going, we'll see. Anyway, let's carry on with new business. With new business, we typically talk about new album releases, of which I don't think we really have much. You're in the you're in the fog and I you know, me. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you some things that came out that I gave a glance like I listened to, but I, I like my memory is fucking shot of like the last like couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, so I don't really can't remember like how they were or whatever. Um but I listened to the new Evanescence came out, uh, Genghis Tron, Memoriam, Necronomicon. Some of these are my albums of the day, so they, they were probably good enough to be that. Um, <laughs> you know? That's not saying much. Well, the, the one album that, stu that stood out among all of them, of course, was the new Tomahawk record, Tonic Im Immobility, uh, yeah. which was quite good. But anything in involving Mike Patton typically is good. So yeah. that doesn't that doesn't really give you much of a fucking answer to exactly what was going on for that particular album. You just know it's good. Fair know? enough. Um, but honestly, like I said, I listened to a bunch of new records. I and I, you know, but I just have no memory of them. Like nothing really stood out, and it's just been a busy time for me to to kind of remember these things. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I I am listening to new stuff. That's 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 important, I guess. <laughs> I swear there is new stuff in my in my my playlist right now. Every week, I, I, every Friday morning, I come home from work, I do my new release day playlist. You know, I work off my list from Wikipedia and from Loudwire, the ones that we always go to. Mm -hmm. I just have no memory whatsoever. <laughs> I got so bad. Well, um, anything new? What, what's going on? What have I been listening to? Well, uh, a lot of it goes into my my rabbit hole for later. Okay. Um, but a lot of odds and ends. Um, one thing I listened to just today: the new Semper Service. Semper Service is a metalcore band from here in San Antonio. Uh, they were the band, or this the the I I interviewed the frontman a few weeks ago from. It's up on our YouTube page, um, but their new album came out just today, you know, on Jesus Day. <laughs> and, um, you know, again, I think metalcore, I think of particular things like, you know, breakdowns and and like, you know, particular style of guitar work. I feel like this is a little bit different, a little more of a progression, uh, kind of getting a little bit more into different territory, maybe a little more death-ish territory, not death uh -huh. the band. Death as in the style of metal, um, but definitely felt like a progression. Uh, great stuff, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again live pretty soon. Um, was checking out some some things that are actually coming out soon. Um, Singular two from uh, Arion. I don't want to say Arion, uh, but it's A R I O N. Uh, which, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, re really good, really good stuff. Um, big fan of the vocals. Um, very. I mean, I don't want to compare them to like. I, I mean, I'm gonna have to like figure the the style of vocals that like Chester Bennington did in Lincoln Park. Oh, okay, but, but figure that the music was much heavier. Okay, um, that sounds cool. And of course, I had to sit there and and get 
get prepped for the new Blaze Bailey album that comes out. Uh, oh yeah, week. it's like this week, right? Oh yeah, it's coming out. It's coming out the ninth, and nice. looking forward to it as per usual. Uh, the new tracks are quite awesome. I, I didn't cool. expect anything less. Um, but again, odds and ends typically. Just you know, if I'm not if I'm not, uh, I, I I get Spotify now to check out little things and and as i go through our social media and whatnot i um you know i listen to some of the bands that i find um on on twitter and whatnot and i want to get a little sample of them before i sit there and say oh i'm gonna blindly follow you you know i don't yeah. want to sit there and do that shit. i want to be able to say like yeah that, that's pretty sweet so uh just odds and ends again uh and i'll get to the rest later so Things I've also been listening to now that we're gonna um, go now that we're done with new releases. Um, I'm still working through the Pat Garrison box of fun, and cool. I went through some of um, things that are in here, which is I think was a majority of them to tell you the truth. Uh, mm-hmm. But we got some Alice Cooper, uh, Alice Cooper goes to hell and Muscle of Love. I really enjoyed both of those actually. Fucking Alice Cooper just rocks, dude. Yeah, you know what's really funny is that, like, you know, aside from his hits, like, you never know what you're gonna get with him. You know, he's he's such a uh, fucking um, eclectic artist. You know, like he has a oh, he yeah. has a bass he has like a a bass sound. Like, you know what you're gonna get when you get an Alice Cooper. Like, uh, like when you say the word Alice Cooper, you you think like, oh, there's a bass sound for Alice. But he's in, there, there's things that just fucking throw you for a loop, and I found myself really enjoying these two records in particular. I had a lot of fun listening to those. I always find it interesting when Alice Cooper does uh, like like ballady material, mm-hmm. um, and that was one of the that was one of the things that I found kind of jarring about um, the second Welcome to My Nightmare album. It starts off with a ballad, and I'm like, that is so left field. To start your album, because the next song is the song Caffeine, which I don't know if you've heard the song, you should listen to it. It's going to become your new anthem. But, um, <laughs> but like that song sounds like it could have started off the album a little bit better, but man, it's weird. But like even the song uh, Only Women Bleed, like such a odd track, odd style of track, but it's so fitting for him. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I remember, like, for the most part, my first real experience with Alice Cooper, ironically enough, was being my Frankenstein from Wayne's World. Oh, yeah, know? of course. You know, and then, of course, you find, like, his back catalog, you know, no, School's Out, uh, all that, uh, I'm 18, all that other shit. And it's just like, man, the transition, especially because, like, being my Frankenstein was a later fucking tune and how heavy oh, yeah. that was in comparison. And then you listen to, like, something like Brutal Planet. You're like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck's going on? Oh, you yeah. know? But th- I think that's what makes him so fucking um, fun. Versatile. Versatile is a great word to say. Yes, absolutely. So I got those two. And then um, going back in some classic shit here, some Scorpions, Blackout. This was a fucking record. Fuck yeah, dude. Oh, man. Like, it's funny because I'm going back and listening to these things that are considered, like like I said, literal classics. Like, things that like have, people have been listening to the last 30 to 40 years that I've never really given more than one listen to. And it's like, yeah. holy shit, I get it. I fucking get it now. And the last one I talk about is going to be a big one. We'll talk uh-huh. about that just in a minute. Uh, so the next one I got here is Accept, another band, again, uh, that I've only, you know, besides Balls to the Wall and some of their latter stuff, I don't really know much about Accept. 
and this is a compilation of the best songs from two of their albums, Balls to the Wall and uh, Restless and Wild. And this was a fucking joy to listen to. Oh, dude. Like, those, those early albums, fucking fantastic. And they they hold up so well live. I was going to say, they, they still sound relevant. Like, the sound of them is still relevant today. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's so ridiculous. So another one, uh, here we go. We have UFO, uh, Lights Out. It's another good one. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one. Now, this is a big one for me because... It's I, Kiss Destroyer. It's Kiss Destroyer. It's Fucking Kiss knew Destroyer. it. Uh, and, and, the, and the reason behind it is, like, I remember, I think I think my fault here is that I got, I knew of Kiss when they were a parody of themselves. That's when I, yeah. like, first started learning about Kiss. So I never understood what the appeal was because they seemed like such a fucking joke. You know, I started get what really kind of like I started giving them a chance after they did the unplug thing, then they did Psycho Circus. And I was like, all right, these guys, they're they're gimmick. I didn't get it. And then I listened to this. And this is like, you know, 40 years after it comes out, pretty much. And my God, do I fucking get it? I understand why these guys were so fucking popular. The music is great. I fucking get it now. Like, Detroit Rock City is a great fucking track. God of Thunder is a lot of fun. Fucking shout it out loud. Do you love me? This whole album, from beginning to end, is a lot of fucking... I fucking get it now. I get it. So I won't say I'm a Kiss fan, but I will not be such a detractor as I was before, because (laughs) I fucking get it now. You know, just, just imagining that Jesus H fucking Christ, I see the light. <laughs> and that was yeah, that yeah, I could I could definitely say that there was a there's a bright shining light into my speakers that day. Like this is what we've been talking about for 45 years. And like good <laughs> fucking lord. But, but no, then you I, gotta like, remember that they also have songs like uh all night. So. Yeah, and then like the look it up, like the the the, the makeup list period where it's just like oh, just a little over the top, um, sexual innuendo, but like this early stuff, like Destroyer here, that is, I get it, I get it. I, this is why they had such a following. I get it. I understand. Yeah, you you should definitely Spotify a couple of the tracks from the first for the first uh, few albums in general. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, good on them <laughs> for. Uh, well, I wouldn't say converting me, but for at least making me understand. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, I got nothing to say to that, just because uh, you know I'm a big Kiss fan. I I have you know almost every album, um, and even even during that quote unquote disco era, they were they were really fucking enjoyable, man. You know what's funny is like we 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 can go back now because we weren't uh, part of the scene at the time. We can go back and listen to the albums that were like very to like very uh, controversial for a band, and we could probably appreciate them from a different point of view. Like going back and listening to Judas Priest Turbo, I get why people were upset about it at the time, but it's actually it's, it's a fun fucking record. Whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Same thing, same thing. Um, you know, again, I'm gonna always, I'm always gonna stick to my favorites. Talk about Iron Maiden when uh, Somewhere in Time came out, people were a little irked by the synthesizer sound. But like, uh-huh. you know, in, in in looking back, as as me being me, 
looking back, I'm like, fuck yeah, this album kicks ass. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, it, yeah. The thing is, like, I can say the same thing now about like Metallica's Load. You know, at the time, everyone was like, oh man, this, this album was like, it sucks, it sucks. But the thing is, like, you know, I think people even now are coming around, like, you know, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> that's, that's because like saint anger came out and they were like oh oh shit in <laughs> <laughs> comparison and then lulu was like holy shit reload guys Have oh, you ever shit, reload recently? <laughs> good lord <laughs> <laughs> oh, but i think it's a, it's a matter of like like uh again listening going back and listening to these things now I, I can't understand it, especially because, like I said, when I got when I started learning of who Kiss was, they were already a joke. They were a parody of themselves. Uh, but to see what they originally started out as is like, yes, I I fucking get it. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah. let's get started on some news. Um, and uh, typically we start with obituaries. Please don't disappoint me today. Hey, I got nothing. I got nothing today. I am not disappointed. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And we have a very short general news section today. So check this one out. Um, a PV Wolfgang guitar, uh, electric guitar once played by Eddie Van Halen is being auctioned. The instrument was reportedly used by Eddie at an event in Bel Air, California. According to a post on EddieVanHalenGuitars.com, Eddie signed and gifted the 2006-2007 PV EVH Wolfgang special guitar to House of Petals. That's P-E-T-A-L-S, like flower petals, not you know, effects pedals, uh, to the owner of that particular organization, uh, Joey House. As part of the online sealed bid auction, the highest bidder will also receive a matching signed case and one of Eddie's guitar picks. The auction runs from March 25th until March 31st, so the auction has passed. Uh, for more information, you could have gone to eddievanhalenguitars.com. You know, when it comes to, when it comes to these legendary artists, whether they pass or not, there are certain things that I wonder what what kind of like frivolous things could they sell? Like like, you know, here's a tissue that he used in nineteen eighty seven, you know? Oh like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely things like that for sure. I, especially after they pass. Like during their life, it's probably there's probably a market for that sort of thing, but especially after they pass, for sure. Yeah, I, I just I just wonder like what kind of things people get away uh, can people at least try to get away with as far as that stuff goes. I'm not saying that the stuff that we see now, these kind of guitars and all that kind of stuff, I'm not saying that those are frivolous things. But uh, you know, like I want to see like the con artists and what they're really trying to do. Yeah, the thing is, and the thing is, this in the description of this thing is very suspect. It says an instrument that was reportedly used at an event in Bel Air, California. It doesn't say that was used on like a recording at a particular concert. It is reportedly used at an event. Which means there's probably something like somebody had one. They look, hey Eddie, take a look at this guitar. And and he touched it, you know? <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> if you look closely you can you can see the oils from his hand on the uh on the pick guard. Right, like here, here's a bagel that Eddie Van Halen sniffed at one day in a fucking deli, you know, <laughs> in 1985. You know, <laughs> what? <the>, what? <laughs> like Jesus Christ. 
a magazine that Eddie Van Halen leafed through <laughs> while while waiting for the bus in 1976. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of stuff I want to see. <laughs> All right. Uh, last bit of actual general news here is that Napalm Death have signed a new deal with Century Media Records, extending the long-running cooperation between the parties once more. I'm cool with that. All right, so this one, <laughs> I can see where, you, where you're where you getting from, because we're up to, uh, so let it be written, so we're talking about books, and it just says, yes, book! Yes! <laughs> book! <laughs> Carry on! <laughs> <laughs> all right so this is the book about yes god damn it all right so it's Wimmer publishing has set a july 9th publication date for yes a visual biography all right so i i wrote read from the articles because it seems like there's a lot of information about this that i didn't want to just copy and paste so i have the article up all right so this particular book documents the progressive rock pioneers first 12 years from the release of their eponymous uh debut album uh through the 1980s drama that's the album not the actual drama that goes on with the band uh, drama is a suitable name for the band for a band whose career has been full of drama, as documented in Mark Popoff's narrative that charts Yes's ups and downs as the band glided out of the '60s with a full-on assault on the '70s music scene that saw them become one of the biggest acts, selling out venues around the world from New York's Madison Square Garden to London's Wembley Arena. The author takes you on a journey from the early days of the band with the original members to a hugely successful '70s with the likes of uh, other members of the band, Steve Howe. Uh, Patrick Moraz, Rick Wakeman, and Alan White all added their individual stance to the band, the Danny, yada, yada, yada. Oh, then the surprise union with the Bugles that saw, I guess, enter the 80s, a world apart from the way they had entered, yada, yada, yada. So Popoff draws from his own interviews conducted with various band members throughout the last two decades, leaving much of the story to be told in their own words, along with a smattering of album reviews by the author and others. Weighing in at over 1.5 kilograms, this large format coffee table book is fully illustrated throughout, documenting the story visually from the late 60s through the through to 1980, as well as an abundance of concert images. The stunning photographic content is topped off with many off-stage shots, including a section selection of photos taken at Morgan Studios in London during the recording of 1973's audacious and extravagant tales from topographic oceans. Yeah, cool. I mean, I wish I was more of a Yes fan to really appreciate this. Uh-huh. What I find funny, though, is that, like, you know, you know they talk about the, the, the drama era, and they mention, you know, there's so much drama within the band. It's like, yes, this is a band that has broken down into more, like, variable parts and different, like, setups as far as, like, for the members of Yes minus one person having their own little band and just naming it after uh -huh. them, three, so yeah, on, so forth. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, man, like, I get where Luca Torelli gets it now, man. <laughs> true. Very true. Very true. <laughs> He's another one that we could use in that meme of setting up different uh, account names. Yes. <laughs> like absolutely. We could have. <laughs> All right, continuing on here, I got another one that I have to read from the article. It's about Uriah Heep, another one of those fucking long-standing fucking classic bands. Uh, this is Sonic Bound, Sonic Sonic Bond, sorry, Sonic Bond Publishing released Uriah Heep in the early 70s. 
from Steve Plinkington on March 25th, so it's already come out. Uriah Heep has not been active for a full 50 years. However, few would argue that the period which has come to define them the most and during which they were at their most influential was from 1970 to 1980. During this decade, they released an incredible 13 studio albums. Over 10 years, 13 studio albums. And a legendary double live album, as well as having a regular turnout of musicians in all but the guitar and keyboard roles. This remarkable decade began with the first three albums as the band sought to find a stable lineup, followed by the classic run begun by the Demons and Wizards album featuring the definitive Vox, Hensley, Brian, Kerslake, Thane lineup, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So this, is, this follows them for the most influential 10 years of their uh, career. Lineup changes, pretty much like a Deep Purple kind of story. Yeah. But, but I'll say, like, you know, influential 13 albums, they were just shit music that, that decade. Uh, uh, right? They were just like, oh, making it fucking rain tunes. Jesus Christ. 13 albums in 10 years. It takes fucking Metallica 10 years to write one. Fuck. I mean, I, I, again, we, we've, we've talked bits and pieces about this in the past. That kind of, that kind of, um, what's the, what's the term I'm thinking of where someone is, uh, really just active like that. Oh my God. Prolific. Prolific. That kind of prolific nature is, is not seen nowadays, man. Cause like, you know, you get, you get an album every two to three years from a band at this point. Well, the thing is like, of, of all the documentaries I've watched about bands in their early years, especially in the seventies and stuff like that, it was like, you wrote it, you, you, you recorded an album. You toured. While you were touring, you were writing the next one. You came off the road, you recorded the next album. You released the album, you went back on the road, and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth, for pretty much endlessly. I mean, I think even fucking Zeppelin released two albums within six months of each other. You know? Rush, Damn. the same fucking thing. You know? And that's just the way the business worked back then. I, I will say there are a few exceptions. Um, and I think, I'm sure you're going to get to one later on. Uh, let me just look through the um okay so i don't see it in your in your list of forthcoming recording news but did you hear about what lordy is doing no no please they are releasing four full-on studio albums full band efforts simultaneously this year damn yeah four 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 full band efforts so this is not like four solo albums this is not like kiss no this is not this like is, that. This is, this is four, four Lordy albums. Four full-on Lordy albums this year. And it's all new material. All new material. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Now, writing a Lordy song is not that hard. True. <laughs> granted. Granted. But it's still the time to take to write enough material for four albums and record it. That's yeah. insane. That's that insane. Is. And they're Absolutely. doing it at the same time, four albums on the same day? Yes, same day. Wow. Yeah. Fucking incredible. Absolutely. That's insanity. And the, thing, and the funny thing is they probably can't just say, like, yeah, releasing, like, a, a quadruple album or fucking, like, you know, two double albums. Like, no, these are four separate albums. Yep. That's, that's insanity. Yep. Wow. All right. Uh, we have one more book here to talk about. Again, we're from Sonic Bond uh, Publishing. Uh, they have set a May 28th release date for Alice Cooper in the 70s. This seems to be about, the, a lot of the books that we're talking about right now seem to be about a very specific time for these particular artists. Uh, this book is by Chris Sutton. 
And in the book, Sutton explores the story of Alice Cooper, the band, and the solo performer from the early years through to the decadent end of the decade. It is the first book to offer a fully rounded approach to the Cooper phenomenon and give full credit to the musicians. I like that little bit at the end, give full credit to musicians, because again, as we were we were just talking about Alice Cooper being supremely awesome, versatile and all that. But you you always have to remember that a person like that, a front man like that, you know, someone whose brand is their name needs to have a good band behind them. And the thing is, Alice Cooper is the first one to say that. Like, Alice Cooper, I remember because I watched that documentary, Hired Guns. It's about pretty much st like studio musicians and stuff like that. Alice Cooper is yeah. the first one to say that I surround myself with phenomenal musicians. Like oh, yeah. I go out of my way to surround myself with these people. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't shortchange his, his, his crew at all. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and he's also very cool about when people are, are ready to leave his, his band. He's like, please, good. Awesome. Do your own thing. I have a fucking cattle. I have a fucking stockade of other people that can play with me, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, but that's not in a negative way, you know. I, I remember this. I remember the story that that uh, that Damon Johnson had told, um, because he left Alice Cooper's band to join the Black Star Riders with his heroes, the members of Thin Lizzy, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he told Cooper about that. He went, "Get the hell out of here. Go do do your thing, man. You 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 achieve your dream." Yeah, I think it was the same thing with uh, I think it was Jason Hook from Firefinger Death Punch. He was in the Alice Cooper band. And he mm -hmm. went and formed. He went and not formed, but he jumped in with Alice, with the Five Finger Death Punch crew. Uh -huh. You know, it was the same thing. You know, God be with you. Good, good for you, buddy. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hmm. All right. So next section here. Yep. Not spreading the disease. And speaking of Alice Cooper, because we're fucking it's an Alice Cooper kind of day. Uh, the Hollywood Vampires have canceled their previously announced summer 2021 European tour. Due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, as we all fucking know at this point, the band, which consists, of course, of Aerosmith's Joe Perry, actor Johnny Depp, and legendary rocker Alice Cooper, was originally set to play the shows in September of 2020, but pushed back to August of 2021. They have now confirmed that these rescheduled dates won't happen. Mm. Yep. At all now. And one last thing for not spreading the disease here. We got due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, OPEF have been forced to push back their Evolution 30 by request. European headline tour originally planned for this October to November of 20. Their plan for this October is now back to November of 2022. So a full year and a half away now. I got to say that the name of that tour is, uh, it feels a little unlike OPEF in a way. It feels like, you know, <laughs> Evolution Extreme. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Roman numeral, so it's okay. I know, I know. I know. Just, you know. But this kind of reminds me of one of the first time I saw Opeth. I saw Opeth a long time ago. I want to say it was probably like, I'm, I'm looking like, a, like maybe 2006, 2007, perhaps. Like very early on, like early on in my New York uh, city lifestyle. Like I was, yeah. I was working in the Bronx. I had a buddy of mine who said, listen, you want to go see Opeth with me? I said, absolutely, let's do this. And it was their, um, I think it was kind of like an anniversary tour. And they did, uh, I think they did like a song from every album they had up to that point. Mm -hmm. And this kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. And it was yeah. it was a good show, of course. It was a good show. Of course. 
of course. Uh, I, I, when I saw them, I, I saw them uh, just after Ghost Reveries came out. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not, not too long after that, actually, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I think it was probably I probably think the show that I saw was probably right before Ghost Reveries came out. Probably, yeah, sounds about right. All right, no one's in the hospital, not feeling too well, and no one's getting any better. So, but we have one here for breaking the law. Now, this one is not so much that the person that we're talking about broke the law, but he is involved somehow. All right. So according to Reuters, former Misfits singer Michael Graves could end up as a defense witness in the trial of four leaders of the Proud Boys, the pro-Donald Trump extremist group that participated in the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. Earlier in the month, four alleged leaders of the Proud Boys were indicted in connection with the attack on the U.S. Capitol over allegedly conspiring, including a discussions on encrypted messaging apps to obstruct the certification of President Joe Biden's electoral college victory. Graves, who became a member of the Proud Boys last year, told Reuters that he was asked by another member of the group to play some songs for a private concert planned for the afternoon of January 6th. Although the concert never happened, lawyers representing Ethan Rufio Nordin, one of the defendants charged with conspiracy, said in a court filing that planning for such an event scheduled for a time when the riot actually was still taking place contradicted the notion that the group had a plan to topple the government that day. <laughs> we couldn't topple the government we were too busy rocking hard well here, well here, here here's the thing like it's ridiculous ridiculous like this gets this so i'm reading from the article now i kept it up for this particular reason just so we can get into it a little bit further uh, uh so graves who fronted the mistress from 1995 to 2000 told reuters he did not think the proud boys were capable of planning an invasion of the capital as prosecutors have said he is quoted as saying, these guys have a hard time getting an order together for McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure they have a little bit of trouble finding their ass from their elbows. <laughs> uh, he said that he agreed to play a private concert on January 6th between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. at a house that the Proud Boys had rented, but that he had he and his manager later ghosted the other Proud Boys and left Washington as chaos erupted at the Capitol. Uh, last year, he came under the fire for announcing his vocal support, both the Proud Boys and then-President Donald Trump. Yada, yada, yada. Blah, 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 blah. So, what the fuck? <laughs> These guys can't get together an order from McDonald's. They're going to organize a fucking coup? What? What? <laughs> it's a fucking cheeseburger. <laughs> I say no pickles. Like, shut up. Shut up. You're just sitting there like, how many nuggets do I want? I don't want 20 because I don't want to be a fatty, but, you know, he's just. I'm too proud. I'm a proud boy. You understand? I'm a proud man. Fuck. Uh, what is going on? You can suck oh. my pride and joy, man. Oh, man. For fucking real. What the shit? <sighs> okay, let's get it. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on here. All right, so we're going to go on to Metallica breaking shit. Um, so Kirk Hammond has been a little busy. So check this out. He has collaborated with the Muddy Waters Coffee Company, a small roasting coffee, uh, coffee a small roasting coffee company based in um, McKinley, McKinleyville, California, on a new dark roast that is 100% organic, fair trade certified, is so damn good you'll drink it black, which is what we do anyway. 
uh, when Hammond wanted to find a way to combine two things that inspired him daily, coffee and the, and the guitar known as Greeny, uh, Muddy Waters Coffee Company offered a simple solution, coffee that was itself inspired by the legendary 1959 Les Paul made famous by Fleetwood Mac's Peter Green. A coffee with notes and tones that will inspire you to have a musical day. The Greeny Blues Blend is a rich, full-body dark roast with notes of dark chocolate, earth, and tropical fruit. This blend emerges uh, Indonesian and African beans for a deep flavor and complex finish. It contains just the right amount of punch to keep you jamming all day long. The Greeny Blues Blend will be released as a limited production run with only 2,500 available at launch. And I did not see a launch date. I... That sounds interesting, but I'm calling some bullshit. Right. It inspires you to have a musical day. I find that to be bullshit because Kirk Hammett ain't writing shit. <laughs> uh, that's okay. You do, you do, you Kirk. Because he's also, according to ABC Audio, Kirk Hammett will be a oh, guest on an upcoming album that Carlos uh, from Carlos Santana. Santana has used the downtime during the COVID-19 pandemic to work on three separate records, including one titled Blessings and Miracles, which will feature Hammett. He is quoted as saying, my brother Kirk Hammett from Metallica is playing on it. He's tearing it up. Apparently, Steve Winwood and Living Color frontman Corey Glover may also make a guest appearance on this particular LP. Uh, Hammett previously guested on Santana's 2005 album, All That I Am, where he can be heard on the song Trinity. Okay, so maybe he's writing things, but, you know, not Metallica. Yeah. And last but not least here, James Hetfield will be the special guest at the Little Kids Rock virtual benefit event on April 14th. Also scheduled to appear are Yo-Yo Ma, Carlos Santana, Cindy Blackman, Cindy uh, Blackman Santana, Warren Haynes, Jade Bird, et cetera, et cetera, a bunch of other people. Uh, the benefit benefits, the event benefits Little Kids Rock, a nonprofit that transforms kids' lives by restoring, expanding, and innovating music in our schools. Watch superstar artists perform and appear with school children from across the country. There will be a live auction and many other ways that you can support throughout the show. Sounds like fun. See, that would be something that we could put under the good that men and women do, but we have a whole section dedicated to Metallica. So, The only thing I have concerns about is that most of these guys, little kids will be looking at like, who the fuck are you? Right? Like little kids would be like, Metallica? What? James Hefnew? <laughs> like, you know, that's something, <laughs> that's something big for us old timers. Like if he was doing something for like a nursing home, maybe that'd be great. Because <laughs> we old now. <laughs> oh. All right, but that's it for Metallica. Uh, we got some feuding going on though. Uh, 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 well, we're we're back. We we just mentioned this. It's 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 Soundgarden. Okay. Skip. So, do not want. Oh well, you're in for it now. Oh. Okay. So according to Billboard, a federal judge in Washington State has recommended the court throw out two of the six claims against the surviving members of Soundgarden filed by Vicki Cornell, the widow of Soundgarden singer Chris Cornell. U.S. District Judge Michelle Peterson said that there wasn't evidence that the band was improperly withholding, quote, hundreds of thousands of dollars of Chris Cornell's royalties from her or that the band's manager breached his duty to look after her best interest. The final decision on the matter will now be made by the case's presiding judge, Robert S. Lasnik. <sighs> Hey, music is a business. Can't we all just get along? Wow. <laughs> wow. Why can't <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm going to skip now, okay? 
No alcohol. No, no alcohol. Okay. 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 Uh, but we're going straight to merchandising. So puck hockey, they've been pretty, uh, pretty popular in our, in our merchandising section here the last couple months. Uh, they are the hockey-based fashion brand has announced a new relationship with Guar to deliver a new collection of items. The Guar puck puck hockey collection includes pro-level quality hockey-themed items like crested hockey jerseys. With more to come soon, the collection has just dropped and is available at www.puckhockey.com. I say this again. I really wish I actually liked hockey jerseys. I know they're so fucking cool looking because they're big and they're fucking they're bold and shit like that, like badass. But yeah. they're probably also excruciatingly expensive. Yeah, but like you know, someone like me who's like you know kind of tiny, or you know, it would just look like a dress. Which you know, oh. I would look I would look good in a dress, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you, there's no reason to test it out. Plus, you you wear all your shit super small anyway. Oh yeah, it's just gotta be gotta I mean, be that, tight, man. That that shit would probably be better on me. Because, yeah. like, I have a hard time finding shit that fits my shoulders but doesn't make me look fat. <laughs> you know? Like, like I, I, I straddle the line between large and extra large, depending, depending on who actually makes the fucking shirt. Like, a large can look fucking great on me, while an extra large would be like a dress, and then vice versa. You yeah. know? And I, and I need something to put some good support on my tits, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the, I think the hockey jersey might be a little too billowy for you. Yeah, seriously. I think they would just be like, I would seriously look like a head sticking out of a ghost's friggin' uh, veil. Pretty much like one of my kids wearing one of my shirts right now, so yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it would look like. <laughs> All right, for the first time ever, Children of Bodom is selling an official range of branded socks. The socks over slight compression paired uh, with Children of Bodom's original album graphics. Fucking socks. Hey, you know what? I'd get those. Yeah, those are fun. I like funny socks. Funny socks are fun. Yeah, uh, that Stone Cold Steve Austin socks. Oh shit! What? <laughs> I have Stone Cold Steve Austin socks, man. Really? I do. How really? How long have you had those? I got those for for Christmas last year. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! That's great. Yep. <laughs> That's fucking wonderful. Oh, man. All right, last but not least here for merchandise, we got Harley Davidson and Bravado, which is a Universal Music Group's merchandise and brand management company, have announced the launch of a special collection in collaboration with the iconic rock band Aerosmith. Available now, the limited edition line of men's and women's apparel will be sold at Harley Davidson dealerships around the world and on HarleyDavidson.com. Does it actually say anything about what kind of apparel? Is it just T-shirts? Is it going to be? I, I saw a little bit of everything. Like they have a bunch of of bundles, and I think they even call them like capsules. So it's probably like you buy like a thing and it has a bunch of shit in it. But it looks like a bunch of T-shirts and like um like tank tops for for the ladies and stuff like that. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure beyond that though. Okay, okay, well, that's fair enough. It seems it seems like a legitimate and logistic uh, like logical blend you know because i know that i think they played i think Aerosmith played stir just a few years ago which is a big motorcycle rally i think they tend to have a very strong connection to the the harley davidson crowd somehow so yeah it's, it's kind of curious because i don't see them at down and dirty style i don't i mean you know maybe the early stuff which is down and dirty rock and roll i mean remember when we got into them they're in their fucking almost pop stage at that point but some yeah. of their early stuff would probably be considered just down and dirty rock and roll shit. So yeah, fair enough. 
All right, so we have um, nothing for the puzzles. Do you want to do the commercial break now or wait till a little bit later? Let's do the commercial break now. Take it away, commercial. Greetings, Metalheads. Dan Mack here. And if you're a fan of putting a little heat on your meal, spice up your life with one of the many hot sauce flavors available from our sponsors at Hella Hot Hot Sauce. All natural, no preservative, and California-made Hella Hot Hot Sauce provides small-batch artisan hot sauces made from fruit and pepper blends that emphasize aroma, taste, and, of course, heat. With several flavors available, some seasonal, others year-round, and collaborations with members of Ghoul, Exhumed, Guar, and Hatebreed, there are plenty of options to suit your palate. Head over to HellaHotHotSauce.com and buy up a couple bottles now. We're getting into like the meat of our of our program here uh, with some recording and release news. We excellent. All right, so let's give this a studio shit here. So Pestilence will release their ninth album titled Exitivum. Exitivum? I don't know. On June. Ex Exitivum. Yeah, because oh, yeah, oh. replace the 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 V with a U, kind of that Roman bit. Oh, I got you. Okay, cool. Um, so that's gonna come out on June twenty fifth via. Uh, Agonia, Agonia Records. I have no idea who Pestilence is. Oh, they're, I think they're a, a pretty uh, well-known death metal band. We've, we've talked about them in the past. I will get into them. Okay, cool. Well, that's what you fucking get for doing your fucking Spotify finally, alright? So you can listen to these bands and make your decisions before you go out and purchase them. If you decide to. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I just like to shell out my money for, for CDs. I know you do. I know you do. May 28th, we'll see the release of Guar's The Disc With No Name via Pit Records. The EP is a limited edition 12-inch picture disc. It's available for purchase at guar.net and indie retailers. The Disc With No Name features unplugged versions of four Guar classics completely reimagined and rearranged with acoustic instruments. Yeah, I gotta say, The Disc With No Name is really kind of a tame title for them. Well, yeah, it is. Like, I don't know what they would do, like, with a fucking uh, blah, 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 acoustic record kind of name, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything, so. All right. Hardware, which is the third solo album from ZZ Top frontman Billy Gibbons, has wrapped recording and post-production and set for release on June 4th by Concord Records. The album was recorded at Escape Studio in California's High Desert near Palm Springs, and was produced by Gibbons along with Matt Sorum and Mike Fioriento, uh, with engineer Chad Schulzer and providing additional production, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, I actually want to check out. I want to check out his solo stuff because you know I, I really enjoyed um, listening to the two thirds of the ZZ Top catalog that I have. Um, and I'm wondering what kind of things he does on his solo albums because if you listen to like if you listen to a lot of that stuff over the course of time, ZZ Top did a lot of experimentation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, you like you know them as being this this really you know bluesy band and everything like that, but they they went outside the box a lot, and that's really cool of them. So I'm wondering yeah. what this man does by himself. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah. What are you doing, you fluffy bitch? <laughs> uh, Beartooth will release its fourth studio album Below on June 25th via Red Bull Records there's a record company called Red Bull I guess so um, weird 
right? I wonder if it has anything to do with the actual drink. I certainly hope not. Oh, well, th then there's some trademark shit right there. Did you bite me? Anyway. Are you talking to your cat while on the podcast? She's in my lap. I, 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 I too, have a cat in my lap, but I'm not talking to her. She bit me. <laughs> well, bite her back. No, she's too sweet. But don't Carry you it again. Anyway, Meshuggah have entered Sweet Spot Studios in Sweden to record their nice studio album. The band comments, quote, things are happening. As some of you figured out, we have entered Sweet Spot Studios and have begun recording a new album. Spoiler, there will be distortion and kicks. Okay. Also, we have other news. We are releasing touring guitarist Per Nilsson back into the wilds with Rome Free in any way he sees fit. It has been a true privilege and honor to share the stage with Per. And even more importantly, we have made a great friend through our travels. Per, we thank you. You are a formidable human being. So why are we releasing Per back into a more stable habitat, you ask? This answer is simple. Friedrich Thorndenal will be back for lead work on the album as well as touring going forward. In other words, the band is back together in full effect. So if Frederick left the band, he is now back in the band. They're, they're talking about it like he's a fucking dove they just let go. <laughs> right? Back into the wild. Be free. <laughs> they're, like, they're just sitting there, like, watching him go off into the sunset, and they're kind of shedding a tear and all that shit. <laughs> all right. So August Burns Red has been sharing previously on release tracks, such as the cover of System of Down's Chop Suey. And it's a metalized rendition of the theme song from the HBO series Worst World over the past several months. Today, the band has uh, revealed that these songs and more will live on the Guardian Sessions EP. The EP features B-sides, covers, and reimagining tracks, which were recorded during the sessions of 2020's full-length album Guardians and beyond. The EP is being released digitally and on 10-inch vinyl on April 16th through Fearless Records. Now that is cool. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Megadeth bassist Dave Ellison and Sons of Apollo vocalist Jeff Scott Soto have been collaborating on some new material recently under the moniker Ellison Soto. <laughs> the Ellison Soto version of the Riot classic Swords and Tequila has been released across all digital platform outlets via Ellison's Combat Records. The song was originally featured on the 1981 Riot LP Fire Down Under, probably with one of those ugly-ass fucking album covers that they were known for. <laughs> but that Check episode, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, go back a few episodes. <laughs> oh, here's a good one. Ginger has um, entered the studio to start recording its fourth album for Napalm Records. This recording sessions are once again taking place at the Koska Record, uh, Records Studio in Kiev, Ukraine, with producer and good friend Max Morton. Yeah, I and still need to really get into them. You do, you do. They are quite good. They are quite good. I, I thoroughly enjoy them. What the well, hell are you... They're coming around in December. Yes, they are. That comes up in our touring news. Woot! So we'll be talking about them in a moment. Uh, Scorpions have abandoned their plans to work with uh, producer Greg F uh, Fiddleman on their new album. Uh, Scorpions originally intended to work uh, record the new album in Los Angeles with Fiddleman, whose previous credits include Slipknot and Metallica. However, because of the pandemic, some of the initial work was done with Greg remotely, after which Scorpions opted to helm the recordings themselves with the help of uh, their engineer, uh, Hans Martin Buff. So it doesn't seem like the Zoom sessions were doing well for them. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there's only so much you could do over Zoom, and something like music, I mean, 
I mean, some people have had success with it, but I mean, some these guys are probably all in the same room and they have the producer outside of the room. It's probably weird. If everyone's remote, it's, it make, probably makes more of a difference. Probably makes things better. But if the band's in Germany and he's in Los Angeles, the time difference alone is fucking horrible. Yeah. Yeah. All right, continuing on with his series of uh, acoustic EPs, Matt Heffy has released the Silence in the Snow EP featuring reworked versions of four songs from the group's 2015 album of the same name. The songs featured on this one are Silence in the Snow, The Ghost That's Haunting You Until the World Goes Cold, uh, The Thing That's Killing Me, and a bonus, Violence Made of Snow. I love that record. That's a good one. I need to listen to that because that, that opening track, Silence in the Snow, is one of my favorite songs that they've ever done. So I have to go yeah. back to that. They're going to come up. They're going to come up in the part of my discussion about uh, my rabbit hole. Oh shit. Oh shit. I'm looking forward to that now. Well, they they they're them not so much, but you know, prospect. So, we'll get cool. to it. Okay, cool. Cool. All right, Hypocrisy have completed work on their long-awaited new studio album. They follow up to 2013's End of Disclosure is tentatively due later in the year via Nuclear Blast Records. Need to listen to them more. Mm-hmm. Garbage will release its seventh studio album, No Gods, No Masters, on June 11th via Stun Volume Infectious Music. The record's debut single, The Men Who Rule the World, and its accompanying mixed media video created by Chilean film director and animator and painter Yavi Miyamore are out now. I'm actually curious to listen to this. You know, it's not, the funny thing is, is that I'm I'm glad they're releasing this new record because I'm supposed to, as of right now, it's still happening. I'm supposed to see Garbage on Last More set in August, so it'd be nice to hear some some new music and probably the songs I never heard because I've only know like their their hits. So yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be cool for them to be touring behind something new. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, Powerwolf will release their new album called The Wild on July 9th on 2021 via Napalm Records. A European tour in support of the effort will follow in October. So right now I'm just imagining this, this you know, this massive hard-on that Pat has. in Oh, yeah. This. Oh, yeah, he has the hard-on for Powerwolf. He does. Which is which is good, though, because, like, like, I remember listening, like, when he was doing the reviews, and he did a review of, the, of that particular Powerwolf record at that time. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's fun. They're they're fucking over the top and bombastic, and it's a great, great fucking record. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Sonata Arctica has announced the release of its first acoustic album, perfectly titled Acoustic Adventures Volume 1, to be released on October 21 through Nuclear Blast Records. Um, it depends on the track list for me, honestly. Well, I think it's – I think it's – um. They didn't say anything um, whether it's going to be reimagined songs or whatnot. This might be new music that's all acoustic. That'd be interesting. So I did not, I should have read a little bit further. Uh, At the Gates have completed recording their new studio album, The Nightmare of Being, for a July 2nd release via Century Media Records. Yeah. Another band that we both need to get into a little bit more. Yes. Flotsam and Jetson released their new album, Blood in the Water, on June 4th via AFM Records. Another band I need to pay attention to. Yeah, I think I listened to their last record when it came mm-hmm. out, and I found it pretty, to be pretty good. You know, elder statesman of the old thrash scene kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but not, but just not on the same kind of, not the same kind of quality of say like you know testament or fucking overkill, but you know, still there. 
All right, last but not least here in recording news, Napalm Records has set a July 3rd, July 30th, July 30th release date for D. Snyder's upcoming solo album, Leave a Scar. The follow-up to For the Love of Metal was once again produced by Hatebreed vocalist Jamie Josta and will include a duet, quote-unquote duet, with Cannibal Corpse frontman George Corpse Grinder Fisher. You know what I want to see in, in, in this duet? Like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to see, you know, have D. Snyder sing his part and everything like that, and then it kind of gets quiet. All you hear is this deep breath in, and you're expecting this growl, and suddenly this very operatic voice comes through. <laughs> it's Corpse Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Corpse Grinder. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. How can you imagine? <laughs> I, I absolutely can imagine that. I and the thing is, like the reason I can imagine is because he's such a fucking dork that it it wouldn't surprise you whatsoever. Yeah, you know, I, I would, not uh, be, would not be surprised if there's a lot of operatic skill in that neck. <laughs> he's got a lot of range, a lot of sustain in that fucking neck of his. Yeah, when when, when someone when someone sat there and said swallow your anger, he was he was doing a chord burst. <laughs> Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. All right, are you are you ready for some recorded live shit now? Indeed, I am. All right, Armored Saints, July thirteenth, two thousand eighteen performance of his classic "Symbol of Salvation" album in its entirety at the Gramercy Theater in New York City was professionally filmed and recorded, and will be released later this year. The live DVD was recently mastered by Armored Saint bassist Joey Vera and acclaimed mastering engineer Mo, uh, Mayor Applebaum. And guess who's buying that? Uh-huh. Yup. Yeah, buddy. All right. Stained released its first album in nine years live. It's been a while. Fuck you guys. On May 7th via Yapum Alchemy Records recordings. What the fuck? Anyway, the live It's Been a While album will be accompanied by The Return of Stained, a two-part global streaming series in partnership with Danny Wimmer Presents. The series launches with Stains Alive. It's been a while from Foxwoods, uh, from Foxwoods Concert, which streams globally on May 1st. The Live It's Been a While album and concert were recorded at the band's comeback show at Foxwoods Resort Casino in Man Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Connecticut, in October of 2019. The never-before-seen concert celebrates the band's reunion after a five-year hiatus. Now, now, tell me that that's going to be followed by the album. But not long enough. <laughs> That'd be fucking funny as shit. Which is That'd be funny as shit. a whole lot of outtakes from all the shows of Aaron Lewis just yelling at the audience for not shutting the fuck up. Right. But that's not a Stain thing. That's an Aaron Lewis thing. So it, It's still fucker. the same man. He doesn't sit there and change. <laughs> True. What a fucker. All right. Like I can see that the whole audience just starts to cheer for the band, and then he just goes, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> I'm talking. I'm a talking. Anyway, rewind, replay, rebound, reissued. Stone Temple Pilots will celebrate the 25th anniversary of their 1996 LP, Tiny Music Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop, by releasing a three-disc, one LP deluxe edition. Due on July 23rd, it will feature a remastered version of the original album, alternate versions, and mixes of several of the songs and a complete concert taped at the Club La Villa, La Villa, 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 in Panama City Beach, Florida, on March 14th, 1997. Well, that's probably around the time that they were still good. 
Well, we saw them when they were pretty good. We saw them in 99. Oh, well, then that was around the time they were pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did we see them in 99? We saw, that was my first year seeing shows. We saw them in 99. We saw them after that, because I remember going to see the show, and I was hanging out with, the, with my buddies after that. I didn't start hanging out with them until after, 20, until after 2000. Okay, so 2000. Okay. Like, they played with Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely in the 2000s. Okay, anyway. Still. You're splitting hairs here. Yeah, splitting hairs. It was before that disastrous fucking show at the fucking PNC Center. Let's just say that. That was 2008. That was a disaster. Yup. All right. Satyricon's first album, Dark Medieval Times, was released in the autumn of 1993, followed by his successor, The Shadow Throne, only eight months later. These pioneering pieces of art marked a start of a black metal evolution and have influenced the genre ever since. Both records will now be released as remixed and remastered reissues with altered, uh, altered cover artworks on May 28th via Napalm Records. That is cool. No, that's an album. That's a band I need to get more into. I have like one of their records, and I remember very much enjoying it. Clutch have announced the Clutch Collector series, a limited edition vinyl reissues of the four initial four catalog albums on their own label, Weathermaker Music. Blast Tyrant is the first release in the series, and is curated by drummer Jean Paul Gaster. The album has been remastered and manufactured on 108 gram color vinyl. The gatefold jacket is printed on metalized polyester paper and embossed with the official Clutch Collectors series seal. The double disc set is sleeved in extra heavy stock paper and includes a numbered insert autographed by the band. The Clutch Collector series released, release of Blast Tyrant is limited to 5,000 units worldwide. Blast Tyrant is scheduled to be released in June. Uh, I'm sure you're excited about that. I mean, I love Clutch. I love Clutch. But the thing is, that's like, you know, Collector series gets a little bit beyond me. You know, yeah, I got you. If they do like, especially because it's a vinyl thing, and that's, but they also do have a double disc version, so yeah, I, I get it. So that is pretty cool. All right, let's get into a little extra here, and we'll start off with the good that men and women do, and we got one for Gojira here. I'm going to read from the article as it says. So. Gojira have shared Amazonia, a brand new single featured on the year, a feature on their widely anticipated new album Fortitude, which will be released in April. Uh, the single is available today on all streaming service uh, platforms and is accompanied by a Charles de Mayer directed official video shot in France as well as various locations in Brazil. The director collaborated with multiple filmmakers, uh, including Vincent Moon, Hawks Play, Jennifer Kumo, had a lot of people I can't even pronounce to help bring an unfiltered look into the lives and struggle of the indigenous tribes there in the Amazon. So, on this particular track, Gojira takes aim at the crisis impacting the Amazon and its indigenous communities, a lush ripper interwoven with indigenous folk instruments and groove metal rhythms. The soundscapes skew burdened, but the themes prove anything but idyllic. Guitarist vocalist Joseph Duplatier has uh, surveys the endangered rainforest, concluding the greatest miracle is burning to the ground. Proceeds from the song will benefit the articulation of indigenous peoples of Brazil who advocate for environmental and uh, cultural rights of indigenous tribes in the Amazon who have suffered immensely, victims of deforestation, land loss, forced labor, violence, and harassment. So launching alongside the song and video are two fundraising initiatives to help raise money for the indigenous indigenous, indigenous owned NGO APIB. So that's the organization here. 
Working with a social group focused digital platform, Propeller, Gojira is curating a month-long charitable campaign featuring an auction of one-of-a-kind items from the band and their friends. The auction launched uh, the day of this um, article with a uh, guitar signed by the singer, um, hand-grave with artwork celebrating Brazilian wildlife. In addition to a hand-grave, Nash guitars based from Metallica's bass player Robert Trujillo and his artist wife Chloe Trujillo. A signed exclusive photo print from Lamb of God's Randy Blythe. A limited edition rock star, uh, rock hard Slayer motorcycle helmet, and more. Each week, new items will be added to the auction. To see the current auction listings, visit um, link text. Let's see what this says here. You can visit propeller.la/gojira. Uh, furthermore, Gojira has launched a limited edition art print to benefit the APIB, where the fan, first 500 fans who purchase the print will have their names added to the final design. The limited edition prints are available today at gojira.l. Gojira.ing.to slash poster, etc., etc. The good that men and women do. Yeah, 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 for sure. So Gojira being some good guys, Amazonian rainforest, indigenous tribes, trying to help out the less fortunate. And then we have another one here for the good that men and women do. Guitarists around the world celebrate Jason Becker, and we know Jason Becker as the uh, virtual also guitarist who is suffering from um, ALS and he's in a wheelchair but he still composes music using his eyes etc etc throughout the March of April uh, the, throughout March and April some of the world's greatest guitarists will come together to raise money and celebrate the music of legendary guitarist and composer Jason Becker who has been living with ALS for over 30 years but can still contributes to music but still continues to compose and record music the virtual event, hosted in part by Dragon Force guitarist Herman Lee, will include three components. One component is a live stream telethon-style fundraiser on Twitch. Special guests will appear on Herman Lee's Twitch channel to play, jam, and participate in fan-generated challenges, with all money raised going directly to Jason's medical trust. Over $13,000 has been raised so far. You can visit jasonbecker.com or twitch.tv slash Herman Lee for a full schedule of live stream guests. Artists will donate signed guitars, merch, and other rare items. Which will be sold via a special reverb shop to benefit Jason. Details to be announced. And last but not least here, three of Jason's most important guitars will be auctioned off later this year, including the guitarist seen on the covers of Perpetual Burn, Speed Metal Symphony, and the original Numbers guitar played by Eddie Van Halen. Details to be announced soon. So here are some of the musicians that are participating in this. Marty Freeman, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, uh, Steve Lukather, Mark Tremonti, John Petrucci, Kirko Lorio, uh, Tossin Abasi, Nita Strauss, Orianti, Devin Townsend, Dave Elveson, Michael Angelo Baleo, uh, Alex Golnick, Matt Heffy, Zoltan Bathory, uh, Ron Bumblefootball, John Five, Gus G, fucking Jared Dines, Ola England. Um, I'm just skipping across the people that are more like immediately famous. Uh, Chris Broderick, and just a whole slew of other people. It's crazy. So. Yeah. Or get your degree. <laughs> or get your degree, for sure, yes. Yes, 100%. But still, that's pretty badass. Yeah, for sure. Especially for, like, I mean, I just find it still amazing that this guy can still do what he does in a condition that he's in. So, fucking good on him, good on those people, good on everything. The whole thing is awesome. All right, we ready for some crowdfunding? Uh, Yeah. You have anything new? I don't. I haven't checked the crowdfunding in a little while. 
All right, so we'll just do our, our normal check-ins here. We still have uh, Paul Diano looking for some help with his uh, knee surgeries. He's at 42% of his goal of 20,000 pounds. He's at 8,552. 8,552. So yeah. that's pretty cool still. Still getting a little bit of dough in there. We got Jason Bartlett. Um, I believe this is the artist, if I remember correctly. But anyway, he had a goal of $60,000. He has raised uh, $49,981. So just 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 over $10,000 short of his initial goal. And he is the one who is fighting stage four cancer. Colorectal cancer. Holy shit. That's, that's, still, that's still a decent push, though. Yeah. Oh, he he's had um, there's a, a update from April second. That's just this past uh, Friday. Uh, he's at chemotherapy. Yeah, so he's 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 underway. They're still hoping to raise the sixty thousand dollars to help him pay for his medical bills, but cancer treatment is underway. Fantastic. And last but not least, here we have Hammy Hammy Peaceville. Um, uh oh. Okay, I thought we lost Craig. No, I got. I'm watching it. Okay, um, he's looking to raise a fifteen thousand uh, pounds for a ground floor disabled access bathroom and bedroom. He's at sixty seven percent of his goal. Uh, again, his goal is fifteen thousand pounds. He has raised ten thousand one hundred eighty six pounds to help him get that. Right on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that is it for crowd funding. Yeah, I got to keep an eye on these things more often now. All right, should I want? Brah, what do you want? Fucking job. <laughs> well, you're close. You're close. Again. So. Yeah, I get that. I get that 100%. Muerta. Uh, well, I don't know if there's anything I want, but we are up to our rabbit hole. So I'm looking forward to what you have for me here. Okay. So I mentioned it actually in the uh, in our in our little chat. Um, a couple. Well probably yesterday, but um, I, I've been sitting there since I, 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 did, I, I mentioned that I had stopped doing the A to Z run. Yes. Kind of my way of trying to get through all of my, my CDs and whatnot and get to listen to everything. But I decided recently that I was going to start just pulling out random artists from my collection and listening to whatever I have of their discography, like bands that I, I have a bunch of stuff from, but I've really not given the time of day enough. Gotcha. Yes. So I started off with Lamb of God. Nice. Um, now I will say their album, uh, As the Palace is Burned, mm -hmm. which came out back in probably 2002. I've owned that album since it came out, and I think I've listened to it all twice. <laughs> That's fucking great. Yeah, so these, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I have to really start paying more attention. So I went through everything that I had of Lamb of God, which is a little over half the discussion. So we're talking about we're talking about um, as the palaces burn, ashes of the wake, wrath. Resolution, and I th think there was one more. So, got an earful of them. 
now I understand why they are so well liked. Right? They they are really fucking good. Their groove is fucking something out of this fucking world, dude. Yes. Then I went on to Machine Head. Mm. One that I've heard about from for a very long time, but never really gave a solid listen to. Um start off good. Not great, but start off good. They get amazing with uh Unto the Locust and um like, I feel like that that's kind of the, the pinnacle of it. I don't have the blackening and I've heard that. I was gonna say that that that's that's the one that, that they kind of turned the the turned on. Like they had like they weren't as as highly regarded for a while until the blackening came out. When the blackening came out, they had a whole fucking like almost renaissance and resurgence. Yeah. And then they pretty much continued that that to ride that wave. Cause uh, like the blackening is fucking incredible. Yeah. But that's like I I I occasionally go through discogs and uh I'll pick I'll look at a I'll look at a, look for an artist and in this case I was looking for Lamb of God. So when I do these things I'm like, okay, what do I still need from this this artist? I'll go on there and I'll try to see what I can find. And what I do is I look for a CD. I go to that I find a good price for the CD. I go to that that person's store and try to find other things that are also a good price. Mm-hmm. And I picked up one of the last Machine Head albums I need, but the only one that's left is the fucking Blackening. So <laughs> I, I don't have that album yet. So, um, but they, I I didn't know necessarily what to expect, but again, what I got on an album like Unto the Locust was pretty fucking fantastic a lot of melody you know a lot of heaviness but great and uh and now i also see why their last album was panned so i never give it i never listened to the last album i I think i was immediately turned off by how badly it was received well, the thing is, like, it starts off like a track, the first track or two are, are good. And I even sat there and said, like, I don't see what's so bad about this. And then the album kind of played out. And I was like, oh, I can see what's so bad about this. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. That's fucking rough. When you get a little too much into that, the, that you know, want to be tough guy bullshit, then you start to lose. Oh, me. does he does he go into like a five finger death punch tough shit? Yeah. You know, I. I, I I hate listening to dudes go. I don't give a fuck. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. but um, but you know, and also musically, it was kind of a re- regression. So, mm-hmm. gotcha. But then I had asked you guys like, who should I do next? And Pat said Meshuga. Yeah, yeah. Listen to Epica <laughs> instead. So. <laughs> So I went on to Epica, and again, another band that I've I've had stuff for a while. I've had um, a, a copy of We Will, oh God, what's it called? We Will Take You Something, I don't know. Um, but it's kind of like a EP-ish type thing. I've had oh, that since it came out because I got it as a promo from Tower Records. That's how long ago we're talking. Damn. But I'm sitting there, and I'm still in the middle of that right now. I'm up to uh, the Quantum Enigma. 
so I have about four albums left. Um, but I'm thinking about the next bands that are going to come up in this whole thing. I'm talking, and that's why I mentioned Trivium before because I need to listen to a good amount of their stuff. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, you know, and and there's a lot of artists that I have these multiple albums from, but I just need to pay more attention to them and really just kind of get the vibe of them. Um, so pretty much. I'm just going to pick a day, spend a day or two listening to the discography, go on to the next one, one after the other. And this is in between doing 10 more reviews and, and preparing for album reviews and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is, this is the current track that I'm on and I'm just kind of getting, getting started with it. So we'll see where this, where this goes with me. That's very interesting. That's, a, that's, that's pretty bad. I should probably do the, something very similar to that only because I'm, I, I think we talked about it in the past, like maybe two podcasts ago that I'm running out of space for the CDs in my current uh, shelving unit. And there's a lot of CDs here that I don't listen to. Yeah. You know, and like the main thing I'm looking at are these compilation CDs, a lot of soundtracks that I bought because they had like that one song on it. I'm like, do I really need these? But then I'm also like fans that I have. Like, oh my God, I have that CD? Holy shit, I have that one too? What the fuck? So it's like, I got to... I really like this. This like you know, I think I talked about how much of an undertaking something like that would be, and I was just like, man, do I have the time for that? Do I have the patience for that shit? Plus, I just like the way these things look. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the great things. I leave my office door open as I'm approaching the office. I can see my my collection in the distance, and I just I just melt. <sighs> you know, it, it's it's such a cool backdrop when we do the ten word review videos. You know, it's so cool. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I'm, you, still, I'm still, I'm still yeah. in that struggle of, um, because I'm so in love with Spotify and being, you know, I have everything at the at the touch of a fingertip, but I still love the physical aspect of of music, especially in the CD form. That like I'm still like I'm still coming to terms with that because I haven't bought a CD in over a year. Like I think the only CD that I've actually like the only CDs I've gotten physically have been from the podcast box of fun and what you have given me for like my birthday. You know? I, I don't know how you're living. I would go through DTs on that shit. I know. I know. And the fact of the matter is that I would have been the same way had it not been for Spotify, you know, uh, which is why I'm able to go and listen to all, all these new albums because they're, they're just readily available. I don't have to buy them. I don't have to wait. And I know that sucks for, you know, the artists who are getting pennies to the barely pennies to what I'm listening to on Spotify and whatnot. But for me, it's just financially more responsible <laughs> shit which is fair <laughs> enough i mean that's understandable i mean ultimately you're still a bad bad man but yeah know. yeah i'm still a bad man bad but, man but yeah either but way yeah, that's the rabbit hole so well, that's cool that sounds like a very good ex like experiment so to speak of uh of yours Yes, it's, and you know, it's not like I don't have the fucking time at this point. For sure, for sure. At this point, you know, who knows what's going to happen with a new job. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Are you ready to move on into uh, concert news? I am ready. All right. So, from the comfort of your home, we come as Romans, or we come <laughs> off as Romans. It's so funny because we were having that conversation in the group chat, and when I went to do the script, that was like the first thing that came up. I'm like, this is fucking too fucking good. 
you were anyway. that we were Romans and you were indeed wrong. <laughs> Are you assuming that I'm a Roman? <laughs> we anyway. came as Romans but left the Spartans. <laughs> uh, they have announced the uh, to plant a seed live stream event for Friday, April 23rd. Uh, during the live stream, the sh um, the band will perform its landmark 2009 released album to plant a seed in full. Well, stained. We we're talking about stained a lot recently. I don't know why, uh, but they will perform its iconic multi platinum 2001 album "Break the Cycle" in its entirety for a May 8th streaming event exactly 20 years after the album's release. The 20th anniversary of Break the Cycle performance in its entirety takes place at Mill One in Open Square in Holyoke, Holyoke, sorry, Holyoke, Massachusetts, bringing the band back to their Western Massachusetts roots. Please know this is a fully virtual event with no in-person attendance. Which means that you have to supply your own tissues when you're crying like a bitch! <laughs> Speaking of mass holes, there's, uh, there's Godsmack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for uh, in the comfort of your own home. We got some festival news here. Uh, Foo Fighters, Deftones, Primus, and Incubus are among the artists who are scheduled to perform at the 2021 edition of Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival, which takes place September 2nd through the 5th on the Bonnaroo Farm, located just 60 miles northeast of Nashville in Manchester, Tennessee. Let's see if that happens. Yeah, for sure. And last but not least here in touring news, general touring news, we have Ginger. They have announced the rescheduled dates for their North America tour. The Trek dubbed Coming to America 2021 features special guest Suicide Silence. Kicking off in Seattle, Washington on October 22nd, the tour will traverse for over a month, stopping in major cities such as Vancouver, Los Angeles, Chicago, Toronto, New York, Houston, and more, before ending on December 12th in Phoenix, Arizona. There is a San Antonio date here, December 8th at the Aztec. Yeah, if I if first I show that we, I was gonna say it's one of the first shows we've had a chance to announce recently. Uh, between that and the Corey Taylor uh, socially distanced show. Yeah, that is true. I um, if I listened to them enough before this show, which rabbit hole, um, yeah. I might consider that show. It'd probably be a very good one. I mean, again, they yeah. they they are very good, and I think they really they recently. I think this just passed. I think recently they released a, uh, a live album that was yeah. quite good. Yeah. So. And uh, I can I can now update my collar. I'm updated on all my shots. True. True. There you go. You know, got to get your new tags in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if lost, please call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always lost, man. <laughs> all right. Heavy metal in the charts. All right. Here's some noteworthy points first. More than four decades after its release, Queen's iconic Bohemian Rhapsody continues to reach new milestones. The iconic song has now been officially certified diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America, representing 10 million or more in sales and stream equivalents in the United States. Queen is the first British band in music history to earn the Diamond Song Award. I feel like if we're not talking about Metallica breaking records, we're talking about Queen breaking records. Pretty much, yeah. At this point, and it's it's either and it's either for Bohemian Rhapsody or Bohemian Rhapsody, really. <laughs> uh, Rob Zombie's The Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Conspiracy Theory 
has landed at number one on Billboard's top album sales chart with its first week sales of 26,000 copies in the United States. The top <laughs> album sales chart ranks the top selling albums of the week based only on traditional album sales. So two things. One, fucking awesome. Right. Two, did you copy and paste that? Yes. Okay, because they got the title wrong. Oh, really? Yes. The word eclipse is somewhere in there. Oh, shit. I did most certainly copy and paste it. So we'll see if it comes up in the charts in general in the top 200, and we will see if I can correct myself. Word. Avenged Sevenfold's sophomore album, 2003's Waking the Fallen, was officially certified platinum on March 17th by the RIAA for sales in excess of 1 million copies. On the same day, the LP's lead single, Unholy Confessions, were certified gold for accumulating 500,000 certified units. The only other Avenged Sevenfold album to achieve platinum status in the United States is the band's third LP's 2005's City of Evil. I'm actually kind of surprised about that taking as long as it did. Right? The thing is, they, they blew the fuck up with City of Evil. Like, Wicked yeah, the Fall, and, but, you know, they, that was kind of like, they were still kind of like that very metalcore sound. So I, I can see why it took a little while for them to, to get that one. Like, City of Evil was far more accessible to people. Yeah. Um, the only reason I ever even heard of Event Sevenfold was because they were on the fucking soundtrack to like a, a Madden game, you know? Yeah, that's, that's like, pretty funny. Like, no, I'm serious, because Katz one day said, hey, listen, you should check out this band. And I, I heard them on the Madden game, and I listened to, the, I think it was on Holy Confessions, and I'm like, holy fuck! And I bought the album, like, immediately. So, uh, last but not least here, of Mice and Men's fan favorite single, Second and Sebring, uh, has been certified gold by the RIAA in the, for accumulating 500,000 units. The song appears on the band's self-titled debut, released by Rise Records in 2010, and it is that which launched the band's meteoric rise in the metalcore scene. Still haven't heard a single song. I bet you if I heard one, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's them, but it's like one of those like ignorance is bliss kind of things. Is that the one with the four China hits and the breakdown? <laughs> the one? Just the one? Just to see that that one, right? The the one that goes and then it has like neatly <laughs> clean vocals. Is it that one? I think it, I think it's that. One. It might be that one. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for the top two hundred? Yes. Number top five here. Number one, new album Justice by Justin Bieber. All right, dude. No, dude. We're done with the podcast. We're just signing off. Uh, I'm Dan Mac. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Number two is the new album. Chemtrails Over the Country Club by Lana Del Rey. That's a great title. Number three is Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Uh, that was number one. I'm sure after Justin Bieber has his his hit here, Morgan Wallen will go back to number one. Uh, number four is Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. And number five is Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. So those are the top five. Okay. Now okay. we fucking scroll. Oh, okay, here we go. Number 14 is Folklore by our lady, our girl, Taylor Swift. One. I, think she uh, had, uh, uh. I was going to say she had six last time we did this, so that's number one for her. Evermore, number 20, Taylor Swift. That's two for her. Two. Uh, uh. The 24-7 champion, Bad Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wait, he's a musician? Right? <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, 
greatest hits by Queens at number 25. You can definitely assure that that's number one on the hard rock charts now. Yep. Oh, Bad Bunny's got two. <laughs> All right, Fleetwood Mac Rumors is at number 34. Oh, <laughs> It'd be really funny if, like, right behind one of his albums, you just see an R Truth album. <laughs> Takeover. <laughs> oh man, that would be hilarious. That would be <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Korea's Clearwater Revival, their greatest hits is at number 46. Elton John Diamonds is at number 47. Oh man, oh no, where did I go? Oh, Bob Marley and the Whalers is at number 52, which is the legend, of course, the best of. Oh man. Taylor Swift Lover is at number 60, so that's three for our girl Taylor. Journey's Greatest Hits is at number 65. Back in Black is at number 70. Wow. Uh, the Greatest Hits by Guns N' Roses is at number 75. A new album. I know, this is kind of wrong. It's, no one sings like you anymore, Volume 1. This is the album came out a long time ago, but from Chris Cornell, is at 78. It says new, but I think that's incorrect. Interesting. Very interesting. Beatles 1 is at number 81. Greatest Hits by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at number 84. Okay. Taylor Swift 1989 is at number 96, so that's number 4 for her in the top 100. The top is Black Album, number 101. Abbey Road by the Beatles is at number one, a uh, 107. Thriller by Michael Jackson, 109. Fleetwood Mac, 50 Years Don't Stop. I'm guessing this is a compilation. Greatest Hits album is at number 114. Or it's the song Don't Stop played for 50 years. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> you can stop anytime, please. I'll tell you what hell is. <laughs> <laughs> Shadow eons and eons. <laughs> oh, all-time greatest hits by Leonard Skinner is at one nineteen. Greatest hits by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band is at one twenty. The best of Nickelback, Volume One, number one twenty-nine. Sounds of Summer, the best of the Beach Boys is at 130. Nevermind by Nirvana is at 131. Another Bad Bunny record. Oh shit, here we go. Paul Stanley's Soul Station. His uh, R&B side project here. Their album Now and Then is debuting at number 140. Bring back Live to Win. Hotel California by the Eagles at 143. Bon Jovi's Greatest Hits is at number 153. The Essential Elvis Presley is a re-entry at number 154. 155 is the Greatest Hits by Red Hot Chili Peppers. The Essential Billy Joel is at 159. Hot Rocks by the Rolling Stones is at 161. Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park is at 164. Taylor Swift's Reputation is at 170. That's number five for our girl Taylor. What the fuck? Here's a random re-entry. At 175, re-entry. Shake Your Money Maker by the Black Crows. Wait, what? Right? Right? 
What the yes, fuck? Oh my god! Oh wait, wait, wait. We got some more random shit here. Wait, 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 wait. wait. This okay. is this is getting out of control. All right. So we have a new album by Ringo Starr. It's a uh, it's an EP called Zoom In. It's a new album. Debuts at one seventy nine. Reentry at one eighty. Insomniac by Green Day. What? Right. What? Right. What? <laughs> like there's nothing. Like what? Not even American Idiot, not Dookie, but Insomniac. Insomniac, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so we got uh, Decade of Destruction, Five Finger Death Punches at 188. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Fucking Taylor Swift only has five records on it because of some of these random-ass re-entries. What's number 200? Oh, number 200 is Love Goes by Sam Smith. Who the fuck is that? He's one pop artist guy. I've heard some of his shit before, for sure. <laughs> you know, honestly, you can say that about a good portion of the list. Probably, you know, because there's an awful lot of, like, there's a couple Lady Gaga records on the on the top 200 here. Sam yeah. Smith here has two right at the bottom at 198 and 200. Adele has one. Uh, Billie Eilish has a few. Like, I've probably heard a good portion of this music that's on the charts here. I just care not to um, acknowledge it. Yeah, you, the, the the way that you 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 do this is basically like, ah, oh, good old what's his nuts with that song, whatever the fuck. Yeah, I'm sure I heard it somewhere along the way. Well, dude, Walmart. All right, so let's just talk about let's just talk about the the random reentries here of "Shake Your Money Maker" by the Black Crows and Green Day. All right, so no one's died, as far as I know. Like, where the fuck did these come from? And the thing is, not only where they come from, but at 175. Punky mood. I don't know. Like, what the fuck? Wait, is Insomniac? Is that the one with the time of your life on it? Uh, no, I think that I thought that was Nimrod. Yeah, I can't remember. That's the one with, uh, God, was it Brain Dew? Uh huh. Yeah, that that one. Whatever's whatever's the one where it's it's the uh, yeah that one yeah that one whatever 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 that song is called I forgot what it's called yeah I think it's Brain Stew yeah and his follow up was um pulling teeth as it goes right into um we'll look it up real quick see what's on this fucking record fucker made a mistake there but I can't. I mean, I can't think of why these albums in particular. Well, with with the Black Crows, "Shake Your Money Maker" was their most popular. You know, hard to handle. Well, was was a hit. All right. Yeah. Brain stew, jaded, walking contradiction. Good song. You know, there's nothing that's that strikes me as something that would be relevant enough to bring them back into the charts especially at 180 yeah yeah you know let's see shake your money maker i think she talks to angels is on that track on that album too probably it's i think it's um it's a debut album yeah debut album. uh so jealous again hard to handle she talks to angels yeah yeah it's just, again, it's just why is it so 
Oh shit. I had no idea that Hard to Handle was a cover. Yeah, I knew that. I had no I fucking idea. Wow. Anyway, but why? Like why are they why is it so popular to this to point to be back at like number one seventy five on the top two hundred charts where they haven't been on the charts since you and I have been doing this six years ago? I mean, I, I feel like they haven't been on the charts since probably 19, like, probably that album hasn't been on the charts since, like, 1991. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it, something's odd. Something's up. Weird. Very, very odd. Well, I mean, it's probably, I mean, it's probably not the weirdest re-entry we've ever seen, but it is pretty odd. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. All right. So that's it for the charts. Yeah, and I think that's where that's what we'll call it this time around because I think um, so. because uh, I'm fucking tired. It's fucking late. Like we should have done this much earlier. Oh, 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 oh! Whose fault is that? Like before dinner, dipshit. <laughs> whose fault is that? Yours. Yours. Because oh. when yeah, I asked you right. what time you wanted to do it, you said after dinner. Well, I wanted I wanted to be. <laughs> I wanted to be, you know, very sushified. Sushified. You know, and I wanted to be... Immediate nap time after fucking food like that. Immediate. I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm eating, I'm eating, you know, mostly raw fish and whatnot, and I'm like, shit, I want to be raw and inspired and bleh. All right, you're done. Yeah, I know I'm done. I'm pretty fucking done. You're fucking done. I'm fucking done. Uh, yeah, I, I, someone needs sleep badly, so... <laughs> no, I, I, I could use a snack. I mean, it, it has been six hours since I ate. <laughs> has it? You sure you didn't just, like, you know, just nibble on something? Actually, and... actually, I had a protein shake when I woke up from my nap, so it hasn't been that long. But See? I need solid food. I need solid food. <laughs> All right, then you will get solid food. I go prepare for sleep and, and edit this later. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Until the next time, I'm Dan Mac. And I'm Chris Mac. And we are the slime. The very tired slime. Hungry.